Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Do you know the difference between happiness and joy? That's our question for this evening. Do you, do I know the difference between happiness and joy. King David knew the difference and he wrote about it in Psalm 16. Uh, Follow with me, I'm going to read again the opening sentences of that psalm. David writes, keep me safe my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. What David is doing in those words is reminding himself that that chasing after temporary happiness can never satisfy. The only thing that can ever satisfy us is the very thing that we were made for. It's what some people have described as the the God-shaped hole in our lives. And David had discovered personally that nothing could satisfy that longing, that hole, that God-shaped hole in his life. You know, David had almost everything in human terms. He had a whole kingdom He had servants to wait on him, chariots to take him round, the finest food, and still he longed for more. But none of that could satisfy him deep down. Yes, some of the pleasures he chased after gave him temporary happiness, but not eternal joy. And so that's what he means when he he warns in verse 4, Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. You know, when the Bible talks about other gods, it doesn't just mean uh, statues of false gods. It can mean all of those things that, that we make to be gods in our lives. This might be a foreign question to you, but I'm going to ask it this evening. What are the gods that you've been running after? Or to put it another way, what keeps you up at night? What things are you secretly hoping are going to fulfill all of your happiness problems? Because we all do this, don't we? We all think that uh, chasing after these other gods might satisfy us. I'm going to hold out a few of those different gods. And it might be that that one or some of them uh, resonate for you this evening. Maybe for you, it's the the God of happiness through possessions. If only, if only I had that latest iPhone. 
that dream car that I've always longed for, that um, perfectly manicured South Croydon garden, uh, then I'd be happy. And we know, though, don't we, deep down, that that doesn't deliver. Apple will soon be uh, delivering their latest update, and your old product is obsolete. Actually, Claire and I discovered this in the last year. Claire's uh, Apple phone and then the Mac both packed up about the same time. Then it was problems with the car. Uh, Then there were problems with the house. To the point where I was wondering if Claire had married me last year because she knew that the seven kind of year life expectancy on all of her products was coming through. But we know, don't we? Products, stuff, things... They don't deliver for us. Or maybe the God you run after is the God of workplace happiness. I imagine in a group of this size, there'll be some of us who are unhappy right now in our work. And if that's you, the the temptation can be to think the simplest solution will just be to change jobs. A few years ago, I was working for Marks and Spencer. I'd done a retail management program with them. I, I'd been signed off that, and I was, I was working there. And um, the last few months, I just wasn't enjoying it. I felt like a square peg in a round hole. And I thought, this, that's the easiest solution. I'll find a new job. I did, and don't get me wrong, there's loads about it that I loved a lot more than working for M&S. But, but I was banking my hopes on that. And of course, that next job, yeah, that brought difficulties as well. Shouldn't have surprised me, but, but my job wasn't going to bring me happiness. Or maybe you don't want to move jobs, but you just think, if I could change a few things, then I'd, I'd be happy at work. There was a, an article in the New York Times, and it said, it was entitled, A Deceptively Simple Way to Find More Happiness at Work. And basically what they said was, if you spend a week and you just write down all of the things about your job that you do enjoy, um, and then you go to your boss and you say, I'd like to do more of that. And there's some good advice in the article, some of the other stuff it says. But if you think about that bit of advice, imagine you go to your boss and they just laugh at you. There's no way that we can change your job to be like that. What do we do then if our hopes of happiness are riding on job satisfaction? Happiness through possessions, happiness through work. What about social media happiness? Many of us, if we're honest, not just younger people, we spend masses of time on our phones. So let's take a moment while we're not on them right now to uh, ask ourselves, why do I do that? Why do I spend so much time there? Could be fear of missing out for some of us. Or maybe it's that worry that if if we don't keep that part of our lives updated, other people will think less of us. Maybe if we don't have that well-curated social media profile, people will think that our lives aren't as interesting as we want them to think. The reality, of course, is that most of your friends are spending so much time on their profiles that they're not looking at yours. But that's the place we chase it, isn't it? We think, if, if I got that right, yeah, maybe I'd feel happy. Or one more, maybe for you it's the God of perfect relationships. Spend lots of our time there, don't we, thinking, if only I had the relationships that I wanted, then then all these other things in life would slot into place. 
or at least I'd be happy in that. If only I had the best family and friends or that romantic relationship and then I'd be happy. We tell ourselves that, but we know, don't we? Families experience difficulties, friends drift apart. That long-for relationship doesn't come up. Just before Easter, a couple of years ago, I um, saw a card when I was doing my Tesco shop. And a message, the Easter message on the inside said this. It said, just for you, hoping that this Easter brings a world of special, happy things. And it got me thinking, well, what if Easter hasn't done that? What if I'm less happy this side of Easter than I was before it? See, none of those false gods, I've named a few, but there'll be lots of others that you'll, you'll be aware of. Things in your life that you are, are chasing happiness in them. None of them can, can deliver that for us. None of them in the end can, can give us any more than at best fleeting, temporary happiness. Often it's really fleeting, and and often, if we're honest, we're not actually that happy. So David was right, wasn't he? Psalm 16, verse 4, when he said, running after other gods often causes more grief, more hurt and pain than happiness. If you're here last Sunday, you'll remember that Uh, a number of members of our church family shared some little video testimonies about what the resurrection means for them. And I was very struck by what Stella shared with us. It seemed to fit so well with what David is saying in Psalm 16. So let's just hear a few seconds from Stella. There is um, joy that comes from, not happiness, because that's up and down, but joy that runs like a river that comes from the knowledge of the power of resurrection, what Jesus did for me. Do you hear that? Not happiness, which is up and down, but joy that runs like a river. That's where David is going to go in the next part of this psalm. Look with me at, uh, from verse 5. This is the, the one true God who offers the eternal joy of a relationship with him. Listen to what David says. Lord, You alone are my portion and my cup. You made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Here's what David is is saying in those verses. He's saying that, that his deepest joy came from knowing God personally. And he's saying that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can experience that kind of joy. The joy of knowing God personally when we put our trust in Jesus. Let's just look at that a bit more. Verse 9, David says, My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. And how is he able to say it? 
Well, verse 10, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. But here's the puzzle about those words. David did die. His body did decay. So what's going on in those words? Was, was David's confidence that God would uh, help him even through death? Was that mistaken? No, it wasn't. Here's, here's what I mean. Verse, uh, some verses in Acts chapter 2. This is Peter on the day of Pentecost when God sent the Holy Spirit to his people. The Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God sends the Holy Spirit and Peter um, addresses the crowds as they uh, have just seen this wonderful moment of people speaking in different tongues because the Spirit's allowed them to. And here's part of what Peter said on that day. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And Peter continues, fellow Israelites, I tell you confidently that David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Do you see what Peter's doing? He's saying, because Jesus rose from the dead that first Easter, those who trust in him for forgiveness, they can be confident one day they'll rise to be with him too. That was David's confidence. That's ours, our confidence today. And that confidence, it helps us to, to get massive perspective on our lives. Helps us to understand our lives now and to understand the future. See, on the one hand, I don't know if you're just looking into what it means to be a Christian. But it is the most wonderful thing you can do in the here and now to put your faith in Jesus. You get the joy of having your sins forgiven, of knowing that God has accepted you into his family. Knowing that he loves us, as we were singing earlier, because he sent his son to die for us. We get to to live by his gracious, amazing, uh, perfect and true words that he's given us in the Bible. We get the help of the Holy Spirit who comes and lives in us, who assures us of his love and and who makes us more like Jesus. Those are some of the joys of of going through life following the Lord Jesus. But you don't have to have followed him for very long to know that that it comes with hard things as well. All the hard things of living in a broken world, but but other hard things as well, being a follower of Jesus. 
It's the very best thing any of us can ever do to place our trust in Jesus. But it's not an easy thing. It's not a small thing. It comes with big costs as well as the blessings. And that's why we need this perspective, this future perspective that David's talking about here when he talks about seeing God's presence, being in God's presence, experiencing eternal joy. Because on the day that Jesus returns, the words of David will be the words of every one of us who have trusted in Jesus. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. On that day when we meet Jesus face to face, those words are not going to be a future promise. They are going to be present tense reality. Jesus returns and his followers are going to be praising him. And and the kind of things on our lips might be things like Psalm 16. Father God, you've made known to us the path of life. Because of Jesus' resurrection, his defeat of death, we, we have been filled with joy in your presence. Father, thank you for rescuing us from living as if eternal happiness was all that there was. Thank you that you've allowed us to discover this eternal joy. If you and I have trusted in Jesus, those really are the kind of things we will be saying, the kind of realities we will be enjoying for all eternity. But there's a challenge there as well, because those are things that only the follower of Jesus can say. So as we close, I'm going to ask us that question and ask us to to ask ourselves that question again. Do I, do you know the difference between happiness and joy? Maybe as we've been thinking together this evening and looking at these God-given words, you've realized that the things that you have been chasing after for happiness can't deliver. They can never fill that that God-shaped hole. And that's because they were never meant to. Only God can fill the God-shaped hole. And so here's his invitation to you right now. If you are perhaps looking into the Christian faith and wondering what it's all about and wondering if it's worth it, his invitation to you is to say something like this. God, I'm sorry for living as if temporary happiness was all that there was. I'm sorry for living as if the things I seek happiness in were more important than you, the giver of all those things. Please forgive me. Give me that eternal joy which David spoke of, the joy of knowing you as God. Maybe there is a person or or people here, you've been coming to Emmanuel recently, maybe you were here at Easter services, you've been considering the claims of Jesus and you feel that it might be the time for you to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, those are the kind of words that you could pray in a a few moments as we're responding in song. You could ask God for forgiveness. Ask him to give you this eternal joy. If you'd like to do that, but you're not quite sure, you've still got questions, Elliot, myself, others would love to chat to you after the service. Or maybe for for more of us, we're here as followers of Jesus and God's maybe just been prodding us by his spirit this evening about some area that we've been chasing happiness in. There'll be ways for all of us that we've been doing this. We'll 
use these closing songs as an opportunity to, to silently confess those things to God. If the music group would like to come up, as we um, respond to those things, uh, prayer ministry is available over this side of the church at the front here. Maybe you want to come and ask and pray that, that God would weaken the hold of those things in your life. That you wouldn't chase all of your happiness, bank all of your hopes on that thing. As the group get ready to lead us, I'm going to uh, read the words of Psalm 16 once more and then we'll respond together in song, um, by uh, going for prayer, or maybe just by sitting in silence and thinking about what we've been hearing. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood or take their names upon my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.